Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. If you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles now scattered throughout our sanctuary, so please find one underneath uh, the chairs. Um, I encourage you to read with me. Uh, It's Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 to 21. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. For this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, before I start, I just wanted to welcome back the Philly team. Where are you guys at? Philly team? You just read Just, uh, okay. Welcome back. I, I know they must be so tired, but uh, I can't wait for next week when you give your presentations. What? what? Okay. And uh, also, this week's table talk is what are justification and sanctifications on the bulletin. We'll try to have it for you on the screen next time as well. So every Wednesday when we have table talk, you're more than welcome to come, join in, and we want to let you know what we'll be talking about beforehand. So this Wednesday's uh, table talk is what are justification and sanctification. Finally, the third announcement I really want to go over quickly is if you have any questions or concerns about the elections, the election that's coming up, uh, the week before we're going to have a a quick Q&A session uh, right here after service. I welcome you to join us there. Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for your sure promise of your goodness and mercy. And help us enter into that promise now through your word and by the help of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about the Sabbath. Because Jesus talked about it. Um, I think the question that many of us are posed with is this. Are you a Sabbatarian or are you a heathen? <laughs> it turns out for many people, these are the only two choices you get. Are you a Sabbatarian, meaning you strictly observe the Sabbath? Or are you a heathen, meaning you're just this irreligious person who doesn't even care about what you say you believe? For many people, these are the only two choices you get. But what is Sabbatarianism? I want to get into that quickly. Uh, if you grew up with me in youth group, many of you have, uh, I don't think... You may be familiar, but when I was in youth group, uh, the elders of my church would say, no NRB on Sundays. If you don't know what NRB is, it's short for norebang, which means karaoke or, you know, those kind of places that you would go. Uh, and so you couldn't go to karaoke after Sunday and spend money. Not, not only no NRB, no shopping. No shopping. Some of you who are older are like, mm-hmm, no shopping. Uh, no eating out on Sundays. No spending money. There's more. If you are strict Sabbatarians, no working or studying. Uh, when I started to work, I worked in a bank called HSBC. And during service, because I was in morning service, and it's on Sunday, during service, I would turn off my pager and all my mobile devices, and I would sit during service. And this one service, uh, I turned it back on after the service was over, and I had a ton of messages. And they told me, they went all the way up to headquarters. I don't know where headquarters is now, but back then it was in Buffalo. So Buffalo had called me uh, just in a frantic rage because in the banking world, if you turn off your mobile devices for 45 minutes, they've been trying to get in touch with you for 45 minutes. In the banking world, that's the same thing as me telling them to go drop dead. And because, because they were getting hacked, and I was the anti-hacker dude, and they're like, what are you doing? But I had this, uh, this assistant that, who helped them out. It's like, reset. And then it was good, but... Uh, <laughs> That's my whole thing back then. If you if you if you know anything about networking, I hate load balancers, and I was like, your load balancers are killing the, killing the system. I don't know if they have load balancers now, but tell them to get rid of. Anyway, <laughs> but that was it back then. If you turn it off for 45 minutes, you open, you have a million messages, and all the way up to headquarters, the VP is sending you like messages like Eugene. Are you dead? <laughs> like, are you telling us to die? Why aren't you answering us? I was like, I was in the middle of service. I'm Christian. And they couldn't say anything, but they were so mad. Um, the Jewish community keeps, if you, especially if you're Orthodox Jewish, they keep a very strict Sabbatarian set of rules. Uh, 
Um, there's an old saying in the Jewish community, and I thought it was quite profound. I'm going to sh share it with you. This is what the Orthodox Jews say. The Jews didn't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath kept the Jews. The Jews didn't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath kept the Jews. And if you're an Orthodox Jew, and because we're in this kind of Jewish uh, neighborhood, you see a lot of them walking around. Uh, Orthodox Jews uh, hold to Sabbath or celebrate the Sabbath for 25 hours. And you might be wondering, I thought Sabbath was one day, which equals 24. Why 25? It's because from, it's from sunset to sunset, but sometimes some of the minutes are off, so you might get less than 24 hours. So just to be safe, they added an extra hour. So that's why it's 25 hours. What does that mean? That means that they are off of their phone, they are no television, absolutely no working. Right now, you guys aren't listening to me because I said no phone. You're like, what? Anyway, but no working, no news, no politics. And what they get to do is they get to spend time with their family, kids, and community. And this is the testimony of many Jews, Orthodox Jews, that it is the high point of many people's lives. And in their words, it keeps them sane. It's an old saying, but there is an older saying that I want to tell this community. There's an older saying. I know you say that um, the Jews didn't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath kept the, Jew, uh, kept the Jews, but there's an older saying. It's from Mark chapter 2 when Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And you're like, that's exactly what they're saying, except there's a little extra part. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath, or even of the Sabbath. And you're like, oh, so close, or is it so far? You know, John Calvin, one of our reformers, his theology was that even on uh, the Sabbath or Sunday, we should refrain from working or engaging in any recreational activity that was considered inappropriate for spiritual refreshment. And to get specific, that means no hunting, no dancing, no banqueting, no alohas, uh, uh, paraphrasing here, no playing tennis, th these, these are his words, no playing tennis or billiards or pool, no bowling skittles, Back then, they didn't have bowling alleys, so they just bowled out in the lane, so it's called bowling skittles, on Sundays. Jonathan Edwards, 300 years ago, and he's a, he's a very great church father, he, he would say, we are to strictly abstain from outwardly engaging in any worldly thing, either worldly business or recreations, because the Sabbath day is an accepted time, a day of salvation, a time wherein God especially loves to be sought, and loves to be found. Now you're all listening to this, and if you grew up perhaps in the youth group here, you might be thinking, we did nothing close to that. Like, after, after service, NRB, forget about it. It's NRB, you go get some, you know, tonkatsu, and you get whatever, and then there's like five different events that whole night. Interestingly enough, uh, in Jersey, there's something called the Blue Laws. And some of you are familiar with this because we're all affected. 
because you want to NRB all day, right? But Sunday, it's a special day in Jersey, especially in Bergen County. It dates all the way back to 1704 when uh, Jersey said, we're going to do, we're going to instate a new law, and it's to act to suppress vice and immorality. And so there was a key time after, after it was instated in 1959, they decided, you know what, each of the counties in New Jersey can vote whether they want to keep the blue law or not. So there are 21 counties in New Jersey. I'm telling you because all you Jew Jerseyans, and I'm sure you know a little bit about your history, but um, the blue laws are Sunday laws, right? You couldn't like buy stuff, and you see all these places are, especially retail, they're all closed. Um, you couldn't sell alcohol and things like that. 20 of the 21 counties voted to overturn or reverse the blue law. Hudson County was the last one. They repealed it in 1985. Bergen County is the only county that said, nah, we're going to keep the blue laws. In 1993, four out of the 70 Bergen County municipalities voted to repeal and those four heathenistic counties are Edgewater, Alpine, Lyndhurst, and North Arlington. And they lost. So Bergen County still has the blue laws. Um, 1986, the governor then signed a bill saying Bergen municipalities to have their own blue laws. And even if a county had removed some of this, and then the state Supreme Court held, up, held this up. So, if you are familiar with the town of Paramus, where we used to be, they even maintained a stricter blue law than the rest of the county. And not only did they reject that 90, 1993 idea to repeal the blue law, that rejection was so huge, the margin was 12 to 1. And it's because they are so Christian. No, it's not. It's because they were, they were going insane from all the mall traffic, right? And they said, we need at least one day when there's no traffic because of the malls. And so it looks like they will never repeal the blue laws. Is that Sabbath, though? Is that Sabbath? Is it one or the other? Are we a heathen? Or do we, adhere, do we have to adhere to strict Sabbatarianism like when I grew up? And so we turn to the word. And it says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry. Remember, they were itinerant preachers. They were walking around. They were preaching wherever they were invited and whenever they would be accepted, doing these miracles as well. And his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck grains or heads of grain and started to eat it. And when the Pharisees saw it, this is what they said, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. They are going to the NRB. They are eating their tonkatsu. They're doing all these things that you're not supposed to do. You know, Jewish rules of conduct on the Sabbath were very extremely detailed, and they were also closely observed. So when the Pharisees would charge Jesus' disciples of doing something unlawful on the Sabbath, you would have had to wonder. What would you wonder? Because if you knew these Sabbath laws, then you would also know this particular one, and that's the one that even Jewish people today follow. 
And it's the Sabbath law that you couldn't go past a certain distance. It's about 1,100 meters. You couldn't walk beyond 1,100 meters. And so you could have asked them, the Pharisees, uh, didn't you just break the law by following us all the way here to chide us about breaking the law? I mean, it's so childish. It's like when a kid rats out another kid by yelling, ooh, he didn't close his eyes during prayer. And normally one would respond, well, how would you have known that unless your eyes weren't closed or your eyes were open? And then the kid would be embarrassed, right? And that's how you get them, right? Wrong. Jesus does not answer the Pharisees this way. He doesn't go, ooh, your eyes are open too, Pharisees. You broke the law too. He didn't answer this way. This is what we do, though. If a kid comes up to you, you know, it's like, oh, this, this kid wasn't, uh, didn't have his eyes closed during prayer. And then, you know, you'd be like, your eyes weren't closed. Or if you're me, I would be like, why are you ratting out your brother? You're going to, you know, die. Okay, but... Um, <laughs> Jesus doesn't answer this way. This is how Jesus answers, though. And this is fascinating. Fascinating. It's going to blow our minds in our understanding of the Sabbath. So pay attention. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath the priests, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's from Hosea chapter 6, 6. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus here teaches what the point of the Sabbath is. He goes even deeper than to argue or debate about certain rules and regulations the Jews had in keeping the Sabbath and goes right after their foundation. You know, you may have proved to that kid that he's a hypocrite. Ah, uh, your eyes are open too. But you never, in that lesson, which all of us, if you taught or you're a parent, which all of us are guilty of, you never taught him how to pray or even why closing your eyes is important in the first place. I'm just waiting so that sinks in. And I can imagine a ton of parents and teachers now wonder if they even know why we teach our kids why we close our eyes during prayer. So imagine teachers now, when they have a kid who tattles on another kid who opened their eyes during prayer, they would sit the kid down and teach them why we pray in the first place. That's a story I'd like to hear from a teacher. Jesus points to two places in Scripture to offer understanding of the Sabbath. And it's not where you think it would come from. Because what's the first passage that would come to mind when you're thinking about the Sabbath? Genesis and creation, right? Genesis and creation. Does Jesus point to that, though? Nope. 
What about Exodus, when the Sabbath was ratified for the people of God to observe? Shouldn't he point to that? That's what you should do. We do Exodus, right? Nope. He points to 1 Samuel chapter 21. It's when David was running away from Saul, and he goes to this place called Nob, and Ahimelech, the priest, comes out, and he's shaking. He's like, why are you alone? And David lies to the priest. He lies. He goes, I'm on this holy mission. But he was running away. He was running away from Saul trying to kill him. And he goes, I'm on this holy mission. Me and my men are dying of hunger. Give us food. And the priest, Ahimelech, answers, I don't have any regular bread. I only have holy bread. And, you know, this holy bread is only for priests to eat. And David goes, and then they go, you know, make sure that they didn't sleep with any woman over the last, like, 24 hours. And then David goes, yeah, th that didn't happen. We're all holy people. And so the priest gives David this holy bread to eat. That's the story. And you're like, what? And then there's another part. Two scriptures, right? Leviticus chapter 24. It shows you what the holy bread is about and tells you what the priests ought to do. So every Sabbath, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever, and it's for Aaron and his sons. It's for the priests, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offering a perpetual due. So the priests actually had to work on the Sabbath. This is what Jesus is talking about, profaning the Sabbath. They had to actually work. Why? Because on the Sabbath, that's when you change the bread. So how do you change the bread? You don't take yesterday's stale bread. You take today's bread. So how do you take today's bread if you don't make it? So you have to make the bread, and then you have to change the bread. So there's work involved. Priests had to work to make the bread on the Sabbath. Preachers have to preach, which is work on the Sabbath. And we know that because this bread was changed, now we see, ah, Ahimelech the priest had, these, had this bread because he was changing it, right? Because he was changing it. So we know it must have been on a Sabbath day when David asked for the holy bread. So that work was being done. It was eaten by non-priests. All these things, what they would have thought is profaning or not following the Sabbath, especially if you're a strict Sabbatarian, you would have been, if Jesus points not to the rules of today, he points all the way back to David and Levitical law. And you would have been confused. It's like, what does this have to do with the Sabbath? And if you're really listening and watching, Jesus is not just using David's incident to say, look, Sabbath, it's okay, but he's going to go after the Pharisees' reasoning of why they think they need to do this on the Sabbath, why they think they need to perform or hold to these regulations in the Sabbath. So it was not just about the Pharisees' view. He was going all the way to their understanding of the law or scriptures. Do you understand the scriptures? He is going all the way back to their exegesis, saying, your exegesis seems a little off because there's more. 
if, if, uh, if this is true, that David could um, eat this bread because he was dying of hunger, uh, his, his people were dying of hunger and there was an exception, if Jesus pointing to it, were his disciples dying of hunger? No, they were just hungry. They were just like walking, it's like, mm, there's, and they're just eating it. So, like, how can he correlate these two things? And that's why he goes, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have conde condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So what is Jesus' claim in their understanding of Scripture? Jesus' claim that is that the Pharisees' view and their understanding, understanding of Scripture is faulty. It's not just what the Sabbath is about, but what did the Sabbath and all of Scripture point to? What did the Sabbath and all of Scripture point to? And Jesus once again uses here the title, the Son of Man, to show that the Scriptures, that the Pharisees were toiling to kind of follow they were really working hard to follow every single thing they thought would be following the law. Jesus was showing them the scriptures that they were toiling to follow actually pointed to him. The scripture in the Sabbath is about me. And he went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. So, Pastor Eugene, you never answered the question. Do we have to close our eyes during prayer? And just like, oh, you know. Fine. Forget closing your eyes during prayer. Why don't we instead now look lovingly into the eyes of the person next to us as we pray? Just look lovingly and go, our Father who art in heaven. They're like, let's do that then. Why don't, why, don't, why don't we just do that? And you're like, why can't you just give us a straight answer? So here's the biblical answer, and it's from Philippians chapter 4. How should we pray? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about every, anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's how you pray. Or the closest pattern we have is the Lord's Prayer, which we do pray. The point is, you've lost the essence and meaning of prayer by focusing so much on the method. You've lost the meaning of prayer by focusing so much on the method. And you think the method is prayer. So is it lawful to heal then? Is it better to close our eyes when we pray? It's just, I just don't get it still. I just don't get it. Everything that you're telling me, I guess Jesus points to Jesus. It's about praying and thanksgiving. But is it better if we close our eyes when we pray? That, that's basically what it is. Is it? Yes. Yes, okay, it's better. Feel better? Feel better? Oh, yes, okay, fine. Close your eyes during prayer. Because if, we said that, if I said that, you would have walked away and you would have gained nothing and still have no idea what prayer is. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus answers this way, which, 
one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take a hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like any other. Jesus, is, Jesus gives a rhetorical question, and it has a narrow, narrower focus. Was the Sabbath a day for maleficent or evil activities? Or, like the evil intentions the Pharisees were asking him, or for beneficial action, like the healing that was about to be done? Was the Sabbath a day to do evil activities, or was the Sabbath a day to do good activities? And after he points that out and heals, in verse 14 it says, But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Now who's doing the work? Now who's doing the evil work on the Sabbath now? Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him and healed them on, ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And this is Isaiah chapter 41. And he goes on, and he quotes that. You know, you think you honor Jesus by honoring the Sabbath? But the Sabbath was made to point to Jesus. Jesus is the greater reality to which the Sabbath pointed to. So you say that you honor the Sabbath to honor Jesus, then you make the same mistake in your approach to the law just the same way the Pharisees did. Because this is the understanding Jesus gives us. When you honor Jesus, the Sabbath is complete. When you honor Jesus, the Sabbath is complete in you. The Sabbath is fulfilled in Jesus and it is given to you. The Sabbath is fulfilled in Jesus, and it is given to you. So, can we go to NRB on Sundays? Romans chapter 14 says this, One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, honor, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this end, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. The irony here is this, that we can never attain rest while we have to work to get rest. Okay, I want you to listen to that. The irony is that we can never attain rest when we have to work to get rest. Keeping all the laws, the Sabbatarian laws to the T is toil. But without, here's the other, that, that's one part, but without working for rest, without working for it, how can you ever have rest come to you? Without working for rest, how can it ever come to us? Because you can never get something from nothing. So if you didn't have something before, like 
I didn't have water before, I have to go get it. And if I don't have money for it, I have to work for it. And then I finally can get this water. You, if you didn't have something before, like you didn't have rest, you would have to work for it, go get it. How can you get rest if you didn't have rest before without working for it? And if you're working for it, how is it rest? Unless someone else who works for it gives it to you as a gift. Jesus goes in the latter parts. The servant will not quarrel or cry out, raise his voice in the streets. Jesus' way of getting it and giving it to us is something so humble, so gentle, that there is no brashness or arrogance or there is no revolution, right? There's no protesting going on. But he walks and he teaches and he shows us what this gentle and compassionate rest is that he gives us. That's the rest he gives you. He's not going to trample even the weakest one of us. And even though that's a compassionate and gentle triumph, the Jews were not prepared for that kind of Messiah. They needed someone who was revolutionary, you know, who's going to turn the political world upside down and show their political opponents who, excuse me, who really is in charge. And that's why we see that the Gentiles are now starting to put hope in his name. You know, the word name is interchanged with law. If you had looked up uh, Isaiah 41, it's law. They'll put their hope in the law. And, but this isn't Matthew's change. Matthew didn't change it to the, they'll put their hope in the name. This is a Septuagint thing, which was an absolutely accepted Greek translation of the Old Testament by the Jews, even back then. In the Septuagint, it was a name. We put hope in his name. So the law and holiness that we were all called to and rest all go together. And we see this throughout the scriptures. The law and holiness that we were called to and rest go together. C.S. Spurgeon said this, C.H. Spurgeon, excuse me, said this, we can never become happy, restful, or spiritually healthy till we become holy. The Sabbath points us to Jesus because it's only through Jesus we are holy and we can become holy and thereby get that rest we have been seeking. It's that final breathing out of relief. That's what the Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about Jesus. The disciples were in Sabbath rest because they were following Jesus. So do we close our eyes in prayer? Do we have any regulations or customs we'll follow on Sundays at CGS? And I will say, absolutely, absolutely. We will have things. But it first must flow from our understanding of Jesus. It first must flow from our understanding of Jesus. You know, I have this whole plan and package that I wanted to present to you and say, you know what we should do on Sunday? Like, I love the idea that we get to set a day apart and we get to have a community and we build each other in the faith. We learn, we pray, we play. You know, there's like a, 
like a recreation center just down the down the street where you could do like tennis, football, basketball, whatever it is. We have areas here which we can learn and study. And even from like 10 to 11.30, we could have like the worship, 11.30 to 12, we can have food. And from then on, we can have a Christian education program. Then we could have like a second prayer service. We can learn more. And all these things are there. But it needs to flow from our understanding of who Jesus is, not just for program's sake. If you do it for program's sake, then we'll just be a program and an organization that is not centered on God, that claims to be centered on God, and that organization will crumble, will fall. It will be taken apart because that foundation is not Jesus. It can claim it to be Jesus, but that's just like saying, I have a great foundation and there's no foundation, and we just put on concrete, and then we write the word foundation in Sharpie. There's my foundation. I have a foundation. You don't have a foundation. You claim you have a foundation, but you just wrote it in Sharpie. There's no foundation here. You build a building, it's going to collapse. We can't just claim to say we are, we are built on Jesus. We need to know it. We need to live it. We need to show it. We need to love Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you another verse as we come to a close, it's from Hebrews chapter 4. For if Joshua had given them rest, so the Israelites were still going and they still didn't fully conquer. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Jesus is our high priest whom we rest in. From that rest flow things that we do. Our community is built because of that rest. I'm tired of people focusing on program after program, thinking or really believing that that's going to give them rest. I don't care if you write foundation. If there is no foundation, you could write it in like, I don't know, 64 font. It doesn't matter. It's not a foundation. What's really the foundation is the Word of God. We read it, we learn it, we grow in it, we live it, we share it, and we love it. That's the foundation that we build on. And as you build the building, guess what? Programs do come out because buildings are exactly that. They're a manifestation of us living it out. So yes, you can imagine that there will be basketball, there will be Bible study, there will be like table talks even on Sunday, just us sharing life together, community together, but not just for its own sake. There's no foundation, it crumbles. So let's build that foundation. Ask the Lord to change your heart more, to love Him, to see how beautiful it is, and so that you can get that strength to live that out. I'm excited for the future. I am, I really am. But first things first, we need to understand who the Lord of the Sabbath is 
if you really want to live out the Sabbath life that is promised in the Word. So place your trust in Jesus in everything, and let's learn together. Let's pray.